Oh my god, what am I doing? Hello, welcome to Just Thinking Out Loud. My name is Desiree. I'm speaking today with Corey J. Clark. She is a social psychology assistant professor at Durham University in the UK. She has an interest in moral judgment, punishment, free will and belief, political bias, and one thing I'm not super sure of, which is motivated cognition. Mm -hmm. um, and I found her because she was. I saw a tweet where she was speaking about... Um, uh, how liberals wanted to censor information that portrayed women, Islam, and blacks in a negative light compared to men, Christianity, and whites. And so when I saw that, I was like, yes, I'm very interested in a topic like this because I, I do think that people are a bit nicer to certain groups that they're trying to uh, pick up for. And then I went a bit more, looked at her, looked at her uh, her Twitter feed and went on her website and I saw that she does research that had to do with bias and tribalism, specifically in the realm of politics. And I wanted her to come and talk to me about those things. So I'm also going to ask you to introduce her, ask her to introduce herself to you. But that is how I found her. First, thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to have this conversation. Uh, yeah, so I'm Corey Clark and I'm an assistant professor at Durham University. I, I call myself a moral and a political psychologist and a lot of what I study regarding politics is political bias. So how people are more charitable toward political information that they want to believe and information that opposes their desired beliefs about their uh, political in-group. Um, and that's kind of spawned off into a whole new thing on liberal bias and some of the things liberals do that actually conservatives don't do as much. Maybe we'll, we'll probably talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, moral judgment as well and kind of how we, uh, how we view human moral responsibility and how we view humans as sort of like special moral creatures that are dissimilar to other kinds of animals. Okay. Um, well, could we first start talking about uh, bias, I guess, and the, the research you've, you've done there? I know of two particular pieces of research um, that you have listed on your website, and one was about bias being bipartisan, and then one was also about tribalism, even though there's some inter- um, interlap there and I, I wanted you to talk about um, like how many people were studied so people get an idea of the how good the research is in my opinion and um, like what, what how you evaluate mm -hmm. how you measure the different things you were studying so kind of get into the technical bit as well and not just the, the conclusions okay yeah so I'll start with the, the political bias meta-analysis um, so first I should explain what a bias study is like. Um, what we do when we're trying to determine whether someone is biased is we present two independent groups of people with the exact same kind of information and then we just manipulate whether it's going to have some kind of conclusion that they they would like or they wouldn't like. So a non-political example of this would be for example to have people read um, an essay and then say it was written by a man or a woman. And do they evaluate the essay as a better essay when it was written by a man than a woman or a woman than a man. And if the group, um, if the two groups differ, then we say they have a bias on that thing. That would be a, a gender bias on how they evaluate essays. With political um, bias, there are different kinds of, I think there are three types. So one is you would read about a policy. And in both conditions, they read the exact same policy. And then we say either a Democrat or a Republican supports the policy. And 
what you generally find is that Democrats like the policy better if a Democrat proposes it than if a Republican proposes it and the the reverse for Republicans, even though it's the exact same policy. Um, You also have types where maybe you're evaluating a moral behavior. So um, uh, a, a Republican politician or a Democratic politician did some immoral behavior. How bad is that behavior? They're evaluating the exact same behavior. Um, and if Democrats treat and Republicans treat the information differently, depending on who uh, committed the immoral infraction, then we would say that that's a bias. So essentially what we did, a meta-analysis takes tons of studies like that, tons of studies that have participants evaluate the exact same piece of information and then just manipulate whether it's their own group or the out group um, that proposed it or that did the behavior. Um, We combine all of those studies together and then look at whether on average there's a difference between liberals and conservatives and their tendency to do that, their tendency to be more favorable toward information uh, when it supports their group's interests than that exact same piece of information when it opposes their group's interests. So I think we ended up including, I think it was around 50, maybe 55 studies total. So I think it had at least many thousands of participants um, across the 55 studies. I don't actually remember the, I, the exact... I think, it's, I think I wrote this down. I think it's 18,000, okay. the one... 18,000? At least biases by partisan paper. Yeah. I, I took yeah. that from your abstract. So that one was 18,000. Okay. And these were these were participants online or... Like, like was it in the U.S.? And it was a, so we did restrict it to uh, in the U.S., but mainly because most of these studies were conducted in the U.S. There um, aren't really systematic studies of political bias in other countries that we came across. Uh, so we didn't have to exclude many studies for that purpose. But this was in the U.S., and there were all kinds of participants. So some were online, some were in person, some were students, some were adults. Um, uh, and we we looked at the differences by different groups, so by students and adults, and I don't think there were big differences there. Um, so it's all kinds of people, and yeah, I guess around eighteen thousand, <laughs> so a lot of participants. Uh, and and what we ended up finding, and what was kind of interesting about this project, is I think none of us really knew what we were going to find. I think we thought either there'll be no difference or conservatives will be more biased because there's a lot of research in social psychology saying conservatives are terrible (laughs) and they're biased in all these different ways. Um, But we ended up finding that there was no difference between the two groups and that liberals and conservatives are pretty similar in their tendency to be more favorable toward the information that they want to believe and more resistant of information they don't want to believe. Uh, I I think I read somewhere that um, as when I was researching what you were doing, that there are certain, um, I don't know what the word is, cognitive traps or mm-hmm. things that people will do when they're thinking, when they hear uh, certain information. Could you give, say, examples of like a cognitive fallacy that someone would participate in if they were, say, viewing information? Like, could you give like a, a specific example do you mean like a like a heuristic they would use or um I mean say say that I was reading a paper in the New York Times, which I think is very left leaning. Mm-hmm. When I'm reading mm-hmm. it, maybe I would skip a part skip parts of the information that I actually agree with. 
because of the source mm. that is coming from because I don't like and I, I personally don't really like the New York Times. Um, are there examples that you can point to that people that things that people do say like that when they're taking in information? Yeah, so there are different kinds of I guess I would call them biases or they're different, maybe, maybe different levels. So at different stages of information, information processing sequence that allow you to come to the conclusions you want to believe. So I think what you're talking about, we would call that um, selective exposure. Although in your case, it would be selective non-exposure. So it's, um, it's just the tendency for people to want to seek out information that they think is going to confirm their beliefs and avoid information that they think uh, will oppose their beliefs. So this happens all over. Like it can happen in your media consumption. So you're more likely to read the news that you think is going to support your beliefs and not read the news that you think might oppose your beliefs. But you do this with um, your friends as well. You be friends with people who uh, agree with you. We're having this conversation right now, I think probably because we agree with each other on a lot of things. Uh, So this is an example of selective exposure right here. Um, So it happens in your social environments as well. And so you, you face this immediate challenge that you're not even you're not even confronting the information that might change your beliefs. But then if you do, if somehow that information does get to you, you're resistant to that information. So it's sort of like a two, two layers of um, two layers of avoidance that really prevents people from um, getting information that might make them change their minds on some of their political beliefs. Okay. So would you say that that's just one example of something that people do or that, that there, that's the main one that people would participate in. Cause I'm, I'm, I think, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what other examples would we likely, would we be likely to participate in depending on what our tribe is. Um, and I did write down that for your second study, you just, you described something called pro tribe cognitive tendencies. Like what, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's related to what I was just bringing up, but I think it might be. And could you explain what that means more? Mm -hmm. So when I say pro-tribe cognitive tendencies, I do mean these types of biases. So the selective exposure and then biased evaluation of information, which is what um, the meta-analysis was on. But I also mean other things. So, um, for example, in-group favoritism, so just liking your group more, than other groups. Um, uh, what else would I categorize? I have, it, it's complicated because some things sort of fall in the domains of bias and others don't. Um, so for example, uh, um, maybe, maybe you know what, I might say that those might be the main ones. So selective exposure, I think, bias evaluation, a biased evaluation of information, and then just general tendencies to like your in-group, to trust your in-group, to um, agree with them more, and to kind of cut them slack when they do things that uh, they maybe shouldn't do. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, So I I think that kind of what you said so far gives an idea of what you found for bias and tribalism you know we have our tribes and when it comes to politics um we're likely to favor our side and reinforce what we think um already for our side um so that's that that's not really surprising i guess um 
would you say that your research will have an impact on what people believe about, say, conservatives versus uh, liberals? Because you said that you were ex- almost expecting conservatives to be more biased because that's what we care about. But it was more mm-hmm. that actually both sides are, are biased. Or, or you'd say anyone really, depending on the tribe, is biased. Do you think that this will shift the rhetoric around bias depending on the what side of the political spectrum that people are on? It's a really good question, and I and I hope so. <laughs> um, so there has been some resistance. So it was kind of interesting. We submitted our... Uh, meta-analysis. And before it even was published, we didn't post a preprint, but word had gotten out about our results. And another scholar who, uh, his name is John Jost, he's sort of well-known for conducting these really big, um, big studies. He's done meta-analyses. He's written many review papers um, showing all of the, all of the sort of like flaws of conservative thinking. So all of the ways that conservatives have these sort of cognitive tendencies that should make them more biased. Um, and so before it was even published, he had submitted a critique to the journal uh, and the editor reviewed us and was like, this has never happened before. Oh. <laughs> We've never had a critique submitted before we even had a chance to publish the original. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so they wrote a critique. Uh, I think probably, uh, so this was Baron and John Barron and John Jost. Uh, I don't think they were persuaded at all whatsoever. I think they would say our results are probably just flawed. So it uh. certainly isn't changing everyone. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there is a certain irony to that, but but yeah. it certainly hasn't changed everyone's views. But I think it has changed some people's views. Um, and I think there are just people who are more uh, just kind of open to the possibilities that you know they could be equally biased. Maybe even liberals are more biased. And I, I think those are a lot of the people I end up interacting with, probably because. Um, they're doing selective exposure with me, (laughs) exposing themselves to uh, the information I'm providing. But um, I think it has, I think when I, when I talk to people about this, a lot of people seem very interested in um, these results and they seem to think it coheres with their intuitions about the world. And it coheres with my intuitions about the world. If you look at liberals and conservatives, they both seem pretty tribal to me. Um, And I think particularly for people who aren't experts, people who don't already have really strong opinions, uh, people who don't study political bias, basically, I think those are the people that are persuaded by these kinds of findings, um, precisely because they're sort of more open to the evidence because they don't already have a really strong opinion or a really strong preference regarding uh, the difference there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am curious about what were the critiques like what did they say were the flaws I mean you could say that whether or not you agree that this was actually Mm -hmm. a valid critique but what did these two other researchers say about your uh, meta-analysis I'll give you the best one um, because there's one that is uh, a very good critique and that's pretty hard to address so one um, is that these aren't biases at all, that they're really, they're sort of like rational heuristics people use. So if I'm a liberal and I'm reading about a policy and I know that a Democrat supports that policy, then it makes sense to like the policy more than if a Republican supports it because I know I can trust the Democrat 
and that provides me some information. You know, I know if I know that someone I trust supports a policy, then it makes sense to trust the policy more. Um, and so it's kind of, it's not a, it's, I guess it's not an argument against bias per se. It's an argument about the rationality of what we would call the bias. Um, so it's a really, it's a really hard problem to do. We think that most of these studies included in our paper are probably not super vulnerable to that criticism. For example, um, there's one where they're, they're counting ballots and, uh, there's like a sort of ambiguous check mark in a ballot box and the, the ballots for your guy or the other guy. And people say it counts as a le- legitimate vote when it's their own uh, political party and then opposing. So that one, it's hard to sort of justify rationally how that um, that is something that you ought to do if you're trying to come to the right conclusion. Um, and the other thing is we've, we've asked sort of general people what they think about these biases. They all agree that they're biases. I've Mm -hmm. conducted studies where I look at these biases um, within groups instead of between. So instead of presenting people with one condition that either um, like a pro-liberal condition or a pro-conservative condition, um, instead giving participants both conditions. And when you give participants both conditions, they treat them more similarly, which tells you they don't think it's rational to treat them differently. Uh, tells you that um, they kind of are aware that it doesn't make sense to treat right. the same policy differently if it comes from two different politicians, one that's your guy and one that's the opposing guy, right? So, um, it, but it is a valid criticism and it's hard to deal with and we've tried to deal with it a variety of different, a variety of different ways. Um, and I think really a big part of the issue is that these are the kinds of things that um, liberals and conservatives accuse each other all the time of being, of being biased or being hypocrites. Um, So even if we want to say, no, all of these tendencies are completely rational, they are still problematic um, and they create a lot of political conflict. So I think it's worth it's worth being concerned about right. and it's worth pointing out that everyone's doing it. Everyone's right. being hypocritical. <laughs> um, so you con- concluded that tribalism seems inherent and everyone is doing it. But would you say that things have gotten worse in the political sphere even though these tendencies have always existed? And is there, is there a way to tone it down a bit, the polarization, even understanding that we've always had these tendencies and they, we might always have them? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, a lot of people think it has gotten worse. Um, what wouldn't have gotten worse is the tendency, as you point out. Like we, the, the, we've always had these tendencies; they're part of our evolution. We, we are tribal people. We are in-group people, and that's been a good thing. Um, it's good for people to support their in-group. Um, so that's mm-hmm. probably not changing. But what can change are different factors that are more likely to exacerbate these biases. And I don't know for sure whether those have gotten worse. They, I, I know um, it seems that that sort of outgroup hatred, liberals seem to hate conservatives more than ever and conservatives seem to hate liberals more than ever. Um, 
and I don't know exactly why that is. Um, um, in terms of making it better, I think the best defense, honestly, is just getting better information. Um, because one of the things that makes biases worse, and this is one, this is maybe the thing I find the most fascinating about political bias, is that we know that ambiguity exacerbates bias. So the more ambiguous an issue is, the more people are biased about it, because the more biased they can be about it, because no one knows the truth. So you can't uh, hold the gun to someone's head and be like, here are the data, because we don't have the data. Uh, um, so I think the more we can get good information that you know, people are forced to confront reality, the more, if you could show definitively, here's a policy, we've tested the policy, it's an ineffective policy, then people would have to change their minds. Um, so we would hope that that would continue to happen. Um, but of course, people do resist scientific evidence. Uh, that opposes their beliefs. But I think the more of it, <laughs> the bigger the mountain, the harder it is to ignore. Um, okay. So that's what I'm hopeful for, for the future. Um, but we'll see. There might just be... So so like one, one good example is um, same-sex marriage. So it used to be that conservatives were pretty opposed to same-sex marriage and liberals supported it. Um, and I think people started to realize more and more that it wasn't going to be as problematic. It wasn't going to be a catastrophe for marriage. It wasn't, it didn't appear to harm children. And I think that's a case where more information led people to change their minds. And now mostly people agree that we'll let same sex couples get married and that's fine. Um, but we need that to happen on more issues. <laughs> we need, uh, we need better information. Um, and so hopefully science just keeps working hard and uh, yeah. providing information. Um, and I mean, I know this isn't on specific policies, but I think it's great that you're doing this kind of research and that we can talk about it and learn more about what's happening uh, in society and maybe come up with solutions like you just suggested, even if they're super simple, like more information um, and evidence that people can't ignore. Um I saw on Twitter recently someone, a few people talking about how conservatives um, tend to follow liberals more and are um, expose themselves more to, I guess, arguments from the liberal side than the other side. Is this true or is this, would you say that this is true or is this just conservatives trying to say that they're like <laughs> more open? Um, you know. where did, I'm actually curious, do you recall who the authors were? It wasn't a or? paper. It was just people, it was just conjecture, like people saying that oh, this okay. is how they feel. I didn't see a study on it, but I don't know if you, <laughs> if you can clarify or maybe bring some light to that. So there have been studies on Twitter behavior between liberals and conservatives, and I don't know the actual data, like what the actual results results were off the top of my head, but I do have an image in my mind, and this is, I think, Jay Van Babel's background on his Twitter thing, which is tweets and retweets between liberals and conservatives. And anyway, it looks to me like that's not true. It looks to me as though liberals and conservatives are both similarly echo chambery, you know, liberals follow other liberals and conservatives follow other conservatives. Um, so I don't know that that's true. It, it, 
it could be, but, um, but I'm not sure. And I suspect, I suspect it's hard because a lot of media figures are liberal and a lot of academics are liberal. And so a lot of people, I'm, I don't know if anyone's done this analysis, but somebody should do it if they haven't. Um, I'm guessing liberals have more followers in general because they're media figures and because they're academics. So the most famous, you know, professors tend to have a lot of followers and um, most, most famous journalists. So I could imagine that liberals might have more followers in general. And in that case, they probably would have more conservative followers as well. But, but I'm not sure. Okay. Okay, yeah, that, that's okay to not be sure, and I was just wondering about that. You did mention earlier, and that's sort of related to what I just asked, that liberals tend to do certain things that conservatives don't do. Uh, could you go into that a bit? Because mm -hmm. I, I have no idea thinking in my head. Because I, I do agree from what you're saying that liberals and conservatives probably are both equally biased, so I'm wondering what, what the difference might be there, even though they're similar on that specific trait. Mm -hmm. So my colleague Bo Weingard and I have identified what we think is the largest liberal bias. And this is something that liberals seem to have, that conservatives don't seem to have. And it's related to, um, I guess, how you found me, which was that censorship, censorship tweet I put ah. out. Um, that was data I collected with him. Um, in that study, we had participants read uh, a passage that either said... Um, what was it exactly? Oh, it was men would have evolved to be better leaders than women or women evolved to be better leaders than men. Um, or um, blacks have higher IQs than whites and part of that is genetically caused or whites have higher IQs than blacks and part of that is genetically caused or Islam incites violence or Christianity incites violence. So people read um, one of those different conditions and what we've and then we asked people how much they would censor that information. Do they think those books should be removed from the library? And what we found was, whereas conservatives were pretty much equally non-supportive of censorship, regardless of the findings, liberals consistently want to censor information that appears to disadvantage what they perceive to be vulnerable groups. So in this case, it's women, blacks, and uh, Muslims. And we've... Um, replicated this a number of times with other research as well that we, we see that liberals are more biased about and this is actually a discussion we had what should we call them should we call them victims groups or disadvantaged oh, groups yeah. or no status I, I didn't groups. come up with a, a better term <laughs> um i was hoping yeah. you could help me out <laughs> i know it's very hard to know to know what to say because anything you say will sound kind of negative but that also reflects mm -hmm. the reality of how these groups are being put in a negative light so i, yeah, I keep hard. trying to think of it Sorry. Yeah, we've we've tr we've tried a bunch of different terms, and every time we pick a term, someone says, "Use this term instead," and so we use that term, and then someone else would be like, "Why would you use that term? Use this yeah. term," and so we've shuffled around. So I don't know. We we call them sometimes. We say low status, disadvantaged victims groups, but anyway, vulnerable groups. Maybe vulnerable groups is a better term. Um, sorry, sorry. I want to going to keep going, but maybe it could be something that's oh outside of the regular discourse around the topic which would mean that it's a bit harder for people to understand what you're talking about but that would remove connotations that already exist um in people's yeah. minds i don't i don't know what exactly but maybe it could be something that just doesn't have a already existing um, connotation when, when we hear it i, I mm -hmm. don't know what that is but yeah yeah <sighs> yeah we've been thinking about it but 
it's been tricky, but maybe we'll we'll keep one of these days. A reviewer will suggest a good term, and then we'll adopt that. Yeah. Um, so uh, we we've replicated this now quite a few times, um, and and it's been converging with other evidence from other researchers who haven't been looking at this problem specifically, but they've found similar data. So. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's a cool, he's a very good research, Nor, N-O-U-R, Ktili, K-T-E-I-L-Y. Um, he has a paper showing that, um, whereas conservatives, I think it was it was tweeting about successes in the Olympics or gold medals in the Olympics, and whereas conservatives were equally likely to, or more equally likely to um, tweet about a white person or a black person or a man or a woman, liberals were much more likely to want to um, advance or um, to share the successes of uh, black people or women um, who won gold medals. Um, there have been, yeah, um, uh, similar findings where um, this one, this one was interesting because this is, this was, I think, in the early two, maybe 2008, I'm thinking, but it was a while ago. And I don't think really people, people didn't pay much attention to it, but they had liberals or conservatives read a classic. I think it was the trolley problem or the footbridge problem. So would you kill one person to save five people? Oh. Um, although I think in their, the study they did save a hundred people and, and Whereas conservatives were equally likely to kill a black or a white man to save a hundred people, liberals were more willing to kill the white man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we're and now there there are a handful of studies like this where we see that whereas conservatives treat demographic groups more similarly, liberals are now treating the groups that they perceive to be vulnerable better than the uh, advantaged group. And in fact, uh, Zach Goldberg posted a a graph. Do you know who Zach Goldberg is? He's on Twitter. No, I, I'm. It's not ringing a bell, but maybe I've seen something from this person. No, I, I don't know. He he just pumps out a lot of interesting data on Twitter. He doesn't publish any of it yet, so it drives me crazy. But oh I can't yeah, say. yeah, yeah. But he he uh, tweets a lot of really interesting data, um, and he found that white liberals now have an. Uh, racial and ethnic outgroup preference. So white liberals ah, prefer yeah. other ethnicities <laughs> and races over their own. And as far as we know, like no group of people has ever had that before. Like everyone is pro in group on their race and their ethnicity, but liberals now, I think these are feeling thermometers. So they report liking other races better than their own, um, yeah, which is just really interesting way. because you <laughs> think like, could we get to a place where we just like treat people equally? Right. And it seems that conservatives are doing that more now. Um, and liberals have now overcorrected. Um, and right. I've had different conversations with liberals where some people will say, so, so some people will say, well, that's a good thing. We should be overcorrecting. So there's an argument to be made for that. But then other people just deny it. And that tells me that they think that it's probably not okay to, right kind of reverse um, discrimination and treat groups differently based on their race or their sex or uh, whatever demographic characteristic. Um, but this, I'm, 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 I'm in diving deeper into this problem um, and it, it, it appears to be an extremely robust finding. Okay. So. 
Um, It'll keep coming. I'm going to keep it coming. Yeah. I I mean, like, that's something that I I personally really don't like that um, the trying to protect vulnerable groups to the point where they're treated more favorably. I, I think it's another form of racism, which I don't actually think is uh, like, they're like, okay, well this kind of racism is okay because it's helpful, but I think it's not helpful because I, I think it's, it's like um, it, the way it comes out is different standards in my opinion. And I think that when you, have different standards usually meaning lower for people then you're setting the bar lower for them in terms of achievement which I I absolutely hate and um something too I just want to point out is that you were saying people tend to have a the norm is that people have in-group preference for their ethnicity or race um and I think that for me where I'm from in my specific environment, I was never, I had never considered myself having an in-group preference for my race. I wasn't very much aware of my race. And a lot of people, not aware is that I don't know it exists, but it, it wasn't, like if I compare it to the awareness in the US of race, it's just, it's almost non-existent. Like if I just compare because of the extreme. Um, mm-hmm. But I did have, I do have, preference for my ethnicity which doesn't necessarily mm. mean being tied to race and I just feel like you said you were from people, Jamaica right and I yeah. consider like myself Jamaican which doesn't mm-hmm. isn't tied to race so mm. um I just think that for a lot of Americans they're almost not aware that that can exist because for them like they just see race I just want to point that out. Do you mean in terms of having sort of like a like a national identity as like a person in the United States? Um, national or, or it could just be community oriented, which mm. if you extend that, that goes to national. Um, so you could say national, but I, I don't necessarily mean national. I mean like like people I went to school with and people mm. who, when I was younger, I used to go to church and, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I guess I just want to put that in there because I feel like a lot of these conversations come from the specific point of view of the U.S. And I think it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. the same. um, Well, I know it's not necessarily the same everywhere, everywhere else. Yeah, Yeah. the, the U.S. is just such an interesting case because it has so many different, um, racial groups and, I suspect that's the re and, and also like a large proportion of different racial groups as opposed to, um, you know, other countries that might have like 1% of a different race or something. The U S is, uh, I think going to be minority white in the very near future. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate about how, how problematic the U S is focus on race is I think it's probably problematic um but you do get a lot of this uh from liberals now kind of making it a thing again when it wasn't I think it was going away and now it's come back you know stronger than ever granted I don't know I haven't been alive that long but it it does seem to be becoming a bigger problem yeah Um, I I, I was going to say I've been in the U.S. since 2010 
Um, mm-hmm. And I've seen it increase, and I've not been here yeah. that long, so I've definitely seen like an increase in in the focus on that in like eight, almost nine years. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just want to sort of get to the other things I wanted to mention. Um, <clears throat> apart from focusing on tribalism and bias, you were also focused on um, free will and the attribution of free will to people because of um, the want to punish them for something that they did. Does that connect with political bias and tribalism? Like, is there an intersection there where people would want to... There... You could go ahead. Yeah, there... there... There has been, um, there has been, it, that's not how it started. I think I was, I was actually studying this free will stuff before I really got into a lot of my political research. Um, but there has been, so we, we find that when somebody wants to punish someone, they attribute them more free will. They're more likely to deny kind of scientific explanations for behavior. So they are more likely to say neuroscience research is unimportant or doesn't matter, um, and I believe this is true probably of genetic causes as well. People want to blame a person. They want there to be like this agent who's completely responsible for their behavior that chooses their own behavior. Um, and we find that, um, that there are sort of motivated tendencies here. So liberals are more likely to attribute free will to a conservative immoral actor and conservatives are more willing to attribute free will to a liberal um, immoral actor. And I have a paper that's under review right now where we say that potentially one reason conservatives believe more in free will in general is because they have stronger tendencies to moralize. So conservatives see more things as morally wrong. Um, They're more punitive than liberals and they also believe more in free will. And we suggest the possibility that perhaps the reason they have this robust belief in free will is because they have more need to punish people and blame people. Um, Yeah. So that, that, that paper's under review right now. So we'll see how it goes if people (laughs) like the argument or not. Um, Cause it's kind of a tricky, you can't, you can't really measure um, what causes a belief that people have already, you know? Um, So we have to manipulate it in these small situations, but um, that's what the data look like to us. And we found that conservatives moralize even when they're looking at faces or personality traits or things they are more likely to say things are bad. People are bad or that being different ways are wrong. Um, So kind of just like a personality difference. Um, yeah, this is kind of going away from your research, but I think we've mostly covered that. Do you think that a lot of these, uh, oh, wait, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you. How do moderates and people who are in the middle, Mm. um, fit in here? And like, are their biases the same or like, do they somehow fluctuate between, like, how do, how do they fit in into this conversation about bias and tribalism? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's hard to do moderates because so that experimental design I was talking about where we give people um, 
information that should support their beliefs or oppose their beliefs. There isn't an obvious way to do that with moderates, right? Um, right. Because they don't have a candidate, for example. They don't, um, they tend to be sort of in the middle on different issues. So if you wanted to pick like gun control or something, what would a moderate position be? Well, we should restrict it somewhat. It would be a kind of a flexible. Um, so so the, 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 the trouble there is it's hard to manipulate. It's hard to measure bias for moderates specifically. But what you can do is look at how the bias flips down the political, the ideological spectrum. So in the studies where we were manipulating race or sex and finding that liberals are more biased about um, those issues than conservatives, um, moderates look more like conservatives. So moderates don't have um, as strong of uh, bias tendencies on those issues as liberals. But they're... So it's probably exactly what you think. They're like halfway in between the other two. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of research showing that it's really the extremes, um, the the people at the ends of the spectrum, people who identify as very liberal and very conservative who have the strongest biases. And that's what we found as well um, uh, in terms of whether um, people treat uh race differently or sex differently, the more extreme liberal you become, the bigger this difference is. Um, we had a paper where we were kind of arguing that liberals have adopted um, what we call selective blank slativism, but maybe there are better terms for that. But it's just essentially the idea that there aren't genetic differences between groups if those differences um, are unfavorable toward the disadvantaged group. Right. Um, I saw you talk to James Damore, so this is yeah, kind of related yeah. to that conversation. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, so, for example, we haven't run the study, but I, I'm pretty confident that the study, actually, I, I might have these data now, but I haven't analyzed them yet. Um, if you were to say um, men are more neurotic than women or women are more neurotic than men and it's partially genetically caused, I can be pretty sure that liberals would say, no, women are not more neurotic than men, and it's definitely not genetically caused. Um, so we see this, that liberals are resistant to genetic explanations for group differences that appear to favor or justify potentially treating a disadvantaged group um, differently or worse or that it might affect their outcomes um and as you get more extreme liberal we call like the most extreme liberals progressives the bigger this difference gets um but it doesn't work the other way around so if there were if someone was arguing for a genetic cause behind mm -hmm. something where groups weren't being seen unfavorably that they care about they wouldn't be so against hearing that information that's a question do you mean if like the difference didn't really matter? Yeah. So if there, if it was, I don't know, something else that didn't bother them because the groups that they considered to be vulnerable weren't being portrayed in mm -hmm. portrayed in a negative light, they wouldn't yeah. be so offended at, he at hearing that argument for a genetic. I, causes behind it. I don't know if a specific example of that. Yeah. But. So in the in the in one paper that is currently under review, we have genetic differences 
in IQ between black and white and men and women. And liberals and actually even conservatives like it better um, when, or I think for sex particularly, um, they're okay with the genetic explanation if it explains why women are smarter than men, but not why men are smarter than women. Um, And I think that you would get the same thing. So if you did something like, let's take math ability. Um, and if you said that men are better at math than women, and this is genetically caused, progressives would not not like that. But if you said women have better verbal IQ than men, and it's genetically caused, they would probably be okay with that. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So, and I just was analyzing data right before uh, you called me, and... Um, We see that a lot of these people who think that all differences between groups, whether it's between sexes, between races, or between even like um, um, homosexuals and heterosexuals, the more more people think that a genetic cause would be bad, the more they would want to censor that information from other people, the more they think it's environmental. So people people fear that genetic differences between groups would be really bad for society. They don't want anyone to know if it's true. And those people say all of these differences are environmental as well. And those also tend to be the extreme, extreme liberals. Right. Yeah. Um, would you say that there is a, I don't know if you know this, cause this isn't what you study. I, but I have heard this somewhere. Um, that for conservatives versus liberals, that that has a genetic um, mm. component, actually, how people, I guess, perceive social issues. Yeah, there, 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 I do believe there is a genetic component to it. I don't know what the exact estimates are. And there is pretty compelling research that liberals and conservatives are different in some ways. Um, genetically different um and so that's kind of interesting because it says that there should be differences between groups in a variety of different kinds of tendencies um but i don't i don't exactly know how all of those differences would play out i don't think really anyone probably knows how all of those differences would play out but and i also don't know whether liberals or conservatives would be more okay with that i feel like liberals and conservatives would both be happy to hear that they're <laughs> nothing like me we don't even have the same genes <laughs> right i mean and, yeah. and then also if it, if it were um most likely partly and not fully due to genetics, then they don't have to change their minds. They're like, oh, well, I am, I think the way I think because it's genetic, right. you know, so it would always right. be um, like insur- an insurance policy for their ideas. <laughs> and but then could they feel morally superior? Because they'd have to be like, oh, my morally superior beliefs are because of my genes. <laughs> yeah, but then actually would it, it being genetic invalidate the argument? Because, well, you only think that because of your genes. And so it's not through moral enlightenment or reasoning that you came to this conclusion. It was just because who your parents were and the genes that they had and how things came together. Um so I, I would like to see more more research done on that. I think we have to wrap up um, really soon. Mm. But um, one more thing I wanted to ask you was if you if there were other studies or research that um, you thought was very interesting that's not your own that maybe you would want me or people listening or watching to hear about that 
are on the lines of what you study, but not specifically your own research. You mentioned, it, I, I think, um, that Zach guy. But are there any... Yeah. Yeah, ones that are sort of related to... So ones that are related to what I'm talking about, and I think also even a little bit what you're talking about, there was um, Sydney Dupree and Susan Fisk have a paper um, that's interesting, showing that liberals display less competence to black than white listeners. So they kind of patronize um, ah. them in a way. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I know. So there's yeah. there's some support for that point as well. There are related, a person um, on Twitter who often... Uh, goes on, uh, let's call them just threads, not rants about these issues is Lee Jessam. And he talks about stereotype accuracy and how, um, it seems that the social sciences, because the social sciences are mostly pretty progressive, they don't want to believe that stereotypes could possibly be based in reality and that they potentially could be useful. Um, so that's related as well. Um, I also think you should have Bo Weingart on your show as a guest. Do you know who Bo, Bo Weingart is? No, I just heard you, you mention her earlier. And it's one of those things. Yeah. I'm very bad with, um, like, names. And, like, I like, am too. Same with, like, music or art. I will, like, see something I really like. But I could never tell you who made it. Like, I, I'm like... That is interesting. I am yeah. the exact same way. Like, I'll read a book and I couldn't tell you who the author was. Um it's a real problem because then people are like, oh, you're familiar with so-and-so. And I'm like, no, tell me what the finding is. And then <laughs> yeah. I'll be able to tell you whether I'm familiar. Yeah. Or people their- ask me like who my favorite somebody is. I'm like, I don't know, but I do like these specific songs. That, that happens to right. me um, a lot. Um, so yeah, I will, I will make a note of that, of um, O Weingard. And you briefly mentioned her, but maybe you want to go into why I, I would like to have her on my channel. Um, well, it's a he, but he's just... Oh, I'm sorry. He's... I thought it was a she. <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> um, no, he's my co-author on a lot of these papers, um, but he's also, like, pretty controversial because he, t- he has written stuff on um, race differences and whether they're potentially genetically caused, and he gets a lot of heat for it. Um, right. But he also is extremely uh, well-read on the topic, probably better read than almost anyone. Um so I think he would just be interesting to talk to. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of coheres with a lot of what our work shows is that really because the social sciences are so progressive that um, there are just certain certain things they don't want to talk about, certain things um, that if you find like the stereotype threat is, is an, or sorry, stereotype accuracy, um, if those type of empirical findings come out, then they don't get well received. They don't get cited. They're hard to publish. Um, So it's kind of, and we're, Bo and I are writing a paper now uh, for psych inquiry where we're going to kind of talk about this and how has, how has what we perceive to be this sort of progressive or liberal bias affected social science in general and the conclusions we've made and have we been presenting the world with a biased set of information? Um, And I think we probably have been. So, yeah, actually, as you're saying this, I was just thinking to myself of um, I have interest in, say, topics like race and IQ, but I don't really talk about them because I, I would just rather not receive the backlash. And and when I first did a couple of times, it was because I didn't really know about it. I was just curious. Um, and I wouldn't really say I'm censoring myself because I have 
greater interest in other things and also sort of when I already have my conclusion on something mm. I don't necessarily need to go back and think about it all the time but there is on a scale of one to ten I'd say like I censor myself at like a two so that's like I don't really go into it very often. But I think it would be interesting to talk to people who, in the media, about uh, doing research on on their own, like, self-censorship due to Mm. um, what I would consider social, uh, the need for social belonging and cohesion. Because, like, I don't want to disturb people to the point where, well, I can't talk about everything else that I'm interested in. Because it's Mm. one thing I would talk about would would throw too many people off. So I think that would be an interesting thing to, to... to research as well that's that's so one the study that i was that i just ran that i was just analyzing the data for we looked at various beliefs about genetic causes of group differences and one of them was uh uh racial differences in iq and how much do you think it's genetically genetically caused and the more people think it's genetically caused the more they report self-censorship right so there's a negative relationship between the two and i think that's true but it's true for a lot of differences between groups so um if you think for example part of the gender wage gap or something is due to you know differences between men and women um people are more willing more willing or more likely to censor their belief on that issue too Mm -hmm. so it's really interesting because it creates a kind of um i think it creates a sort of sense like a false consensus or something that the people who are outspoken about it are the people who are like, no, 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 there are no differences between groups. Men and women have all of the exact same strengths. There are no differences between races. Um, uh, those are the people who speak freely about it. And then other people who think there could be differences between groups uh, keep quiet themselves. And then if they, um, they, they also want to censor the information from other people, they don't want other people getting the information. So uh it's 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 interesting, but um, I still have to go dig through the data. But I'll probably be writing those up in the next couple months or something. So yeah, I'll definitely be looking forward to that. I know you have to go, but I just want to say that what you were just saying. I think also happened with um, Trump and his election, where people mm-hmm. who were for him just kept quiet Ooh, because yeah. it just wasn't worth it with like the people surrounding them to stir up too much trouble. I think that's absolutely right. The more people, if you ask them who they're voting for and they won't tell you, then you know they're voting for Trump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is really interesting because it just prevents people. Like, I'm I'm just, like, a fan of having conversations. So, yeah. like, whether you're right or wrong, like, I, I didn't vote for Trump, but I love to talk to people who voted for Trump. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's hard to find them because they won't admit it, right? <laughs> right, uh, right. <laughs> Yeah. It's so false. it's hard to understand the problem when you can't even uh, find yeah. the people who uh, have particular views. Um, yeah, and that, the yeah. false consensus thing, I think, is an issue because there's there's like something going on in the media and the headlines and stuff like that, but it it doesn't accurately reflect what's actually going on um, underneath. Uh, and I, I think mm-hmm. that's that's definitely an issue, and maybe that's the way society has always worked. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's at least interesting to think about. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much um, for coming and, and talking to me. Um, people who are listening or watching, you can go and find Corey at Corey J Clark, uh, com, And, uh, her Twitter handle is I M H A R D Corey 
I'm hardcore. <laughs> um, <and> she... <laughs> it's a play on I'm hardcore, but nobody oh, gets it. <laughs> I totally didn't get it. I didn't get, I didn't get it either. Um, I think I thought it was a good idea when I was like 21. And now um, people are like, I'm hardcore. And I'm like, I'm hardcore. My name's Corey. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was clever but when you explain it it becomes more clever but it just seems like an interesting handle (laughs) before you understand that Um, yeah yeah, and I I think she's really cool and you can follow her work and research and maybe if you're you know scientifically minded you can actually take the time to go and read the papers as well or you can just follow her her twitter feed and um, watch her interviews elsewhere because she has uh, done other interviews with people too uh, and you might also be interested in her work outside of this specific conservative um, liberal stuff because she does the, the free will and motivation to punish punish people as well. And I, I think you did some stuff on prison incarceration stuff. I think I read something mm-hmm. like that too. So there are other things too other than what we've been discussing here. Um, so thank you. And, thank uh, you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And I just want to remind um, my audience that my content is free. And if you would like to donate, it's just thinking out loud that TV slash donate. I do undergo censorship and I've been banned from various people. So these <laughs> conversations aren't really easy to have. And if you want to keep them going, then think about contributing. Okay. Where have you been banned from? I was banned from PayPal. And uh, I think YouTube was censoring me also, but they didn't. I don't For think what? Just Did they tell you why? PayPal never told me why. No, I could. I, I, I actually don't know. Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. And they, they did it How twice. Because I was like, maybe it was just a fluke. Let me just do it again. Because I, I don't think I'm super. Con- I don't think I'm that controversial. Like, I really don't. Um, and hmm. uh, YouTube too. But I think YouTube was doing that along with other people so i don't think that was Mm. just specific to me but paypal was was very specific to me obviously it was like my account i I don't know why um that is very strange yeah it is kind of strange and maybe one day i'll find out yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe i won't anyway thanks again (laughs)